0: Monday, one of President Trump's private lawyers, John Dowd, made a seemingly bold claim that a president cannot be found guilty of obstruction of justice. Now, here at Can He Do That, we knew we had to tackle this one. Can a president obstruct justice? Or is he immune from this as the chief law enforcement officer in the country? With the help of legal experts and constitutional scholars, this episode seeks to answer some of the biggest questions we tackle on this podcast. Are we facing a test case now for our Constitution? When it comes to limitations on the president, how many of our laws, or sometimes lack thereof, were based on the assumption that a president would police himself? And are we as a country equipped to handle what happens when a president pushes legal boundaries and operates based on what he can do under technical legal terms, versus what he perhaps should do based on history, precedent, and norms? This is Can He Do That, a podcast that explores the powers and limitations of the American presidency. I'm Allison Michaels. Here to share expertise from her reporting on statements from Trump's lawyers this week is Pulitzer Prize winning reporter Sari Horowitz. Sari, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me on. So let's start with this. The president is under investigation for obstruction of justice, which is one of the many things being investigated by special prosecutor Robert Mueller. How does Flynn's recent decision to plead guilty to lying to the FBI affect the investigation into whether or not Trump himself obstructed justice? So Michael Flynn not only pled guilty to lying to the FBI, but
1: we now know he's cooperating with special counsel Robert Mueller in the Russia investigation. So that is a big deal because he was a very close advisor to Trump during the campaign. And he was, for a brief period, his national security advisor. Flynn can provide information about who in the White House knew about his conversations with the Russian ambassador Kislyak. In June, my colleagues and I first broke that story that special counsel Robert Mueller was investigating whether President Trump attempted to obstruct justice. That's all we knew at the time. We didn't know many much, many of the details behind it. That same month, Comey, the FBI director, had testified before the Senate Intelligence Committee that the president had asked him to be lenient with Flynn and had called him and asked him to lift the cloud of the Russia investigation. So the question of whether President Trump obstructed justice in the Russia investigation swirls around Michael Flynn and whether Trump tried to pressure the FBI director, to drop the investigation into Flynn. What Flynn tells a special counsel now, or maybe has already told him, about what Trump and his senior advisors knew regarding the contacts with the Russians and, and sanctions during the campaign or in the post-election period is going to be very important.
0: And Trump himself also told Lester Holt that he, in fact, wanted to end or curb the Russia investigation to some extent, and that was part of the reason why he fired Comey, correct?
1: Exactly. I mean, he said it was the reason, and the former FBI director, James Comey, testified on The Hill that it was clear from that comments that that was the reason that he was fired.
0: Yeah, so that was where we were going into the weekend. But then over the weekend, after Flynn pleaded guilty to lying to the FBI, Trump tweeted this. He said, I had to fire General Flynn because he lied to the vice president and the FBI. He has pled guilty to those lies. It's a shame because his actions during the transition were lawful. There was nothing to hide. So what does this tweet imply that could potentially affect the Mueller investigation?
1: What's significant about that tweet was that it indicated that the president was saying he knew in January, late January, when he fired Michael Flynn, that Flynn had lied to the FBI, which is a crime. The tweet also indicated that Trump knew Flynn lied to the FBI weeks before he pressured the FBI director to be lenient with Flynn in the FBI investigation. So several legal experts have have told us that they think that that tweet indicates the president's thinking, and that could increase the president's legal exposure to obstruction of justice.
0: Do we know exactly who wrote that tweet? Trump's lawyer, Trump's private lawyer, John Dowd, at one point said he had written it. Do we know for a fact who wrote that? Well, I guess we don't know absolutely. (laughs) But John
1: Dowd said to the Post on Sunday that he had drafted the tweet for Trump. And he said to us that he acknowledged to us that it was sloppily worded he then told us that it was inaccurate to take from that tweet that the president was told by his White House counsel that Flynn had lied to the FBI. Some legal experts say if Trump sends that tweet, it's his statement. Now, this is complicated a little bit, but as is this whole story, mm-hmm. John Dowd said that actually Trump knew only what his acting attorney general, Sally Yates, had told the White House counsel at the time that this all happened, that Flynn's accounts to the FBI agents interviewing him were the same as those that he gave Vice President Pence, which were not truthful. What Dowd's referring to when he tells us about the Sally Yates meeting is a meeting he had with the acting attorney general in January where she came and warned the White House counsel, Don McGahn, that Flynn had not been truthful to the vice president about his interactions with the Russian ambassador regarding sanctions. Not to confuse matters here, but Yates actually testified to Congress that she never discussed with McGahn, what Flynn said in his interview with the FBI. So that really contradicts the idea that he might have known, the president might have known that he lied to the FBI.
0: So then to further complicate this, John Dowd, again, the president's private lawyer, made a comment About that tweet and about sort of the reaction to that tweet, telling several news outlets, and I'm going to quote him here, that the president cannot obstruct justice because he is the chief law enforcement officer under the Constitution's Article 2 and has every right to express his view of any case. We're going to delve deeply into this with a legal expert a little bit later, but does this strike you as an admission from John Dowd that Trump's actions might in fact amount to obstruction of justice?
1: It was an unusual comment. Um, It was a bold comment by John Dowd, and it's hard to know exactly what he was trying to say. One Washington attorney, Sam Berger, said to me, quote, it's pretty incredible to have the president's lawyer actually arguing not that he didn't commit a crime, but that he cannot commit a crime because he's the president, end quote.
0: So— Meanwhile, White House lawyer Ty Cobb has responded to Dow's statement. What was Cobb's response to this?
1: Ty Cobb, a White House lawyer for President Trump, told The Post on Monday after this whole firestorm about the tweet over the weekend that Dow's theory about obstruction was actually not the president's official legal strategy. Ty Cobb said it was interesting as a technical legal issue, but that the president's lawyers intended to present a fact-based defense not a mere legal defense. Mm -hmm. So, you know, story just gets, there's layers and layers of, of complicating statements here.
0: And what is the difference between Trump's private lawyer and the White House lawyers?
1: That's a good question. Both lawyers are trying to represent and protect President Trump. John Dowd is Trump's personal lawyer, protecting him from any possible liability. He's solely representing Trump. And what Trump says to him is what's called privileged. His personal lawyer, for example, can't be forced in a court to talk about the conversations between him and his client because of attorney-client privilege. For Ty Cobb, the White House lawyer overseeing the handling of the Russian investigation in terms of the White House response and strategy, it's more complicated because he won't necessarily be able to protect documents or conversations with the president. He has a much trickier situation. Another wrinkle in this whole story is that Trump's political advisors told The Post that they are increasingly concerned about the legal advice he's getting. Some senior officials in the White House told us that they were actually baffled that John Dowd publicly offered his interpretation over the weekend of the law regarding obstruction of justice.
0: When it comes to interpreting the law, there are, in fact, many differing perspectives on the limitations placed on the U.S. president. To explain those perspectives, we spoke to constitutional scholar and law professor at the University of North Carolina, Michael Gerhardt. First, can you just legally define obstruction of
2: justice? The federal criminal code defines obstruction of justice as either an attempt or effort to interfere with a lawful investigation.
0: So a key part then to assessing whether or not justice has been obstructed is defining intent on the part of the person who may have committed it.
2: There'll be two elements as far as a federal crime are concerned. The first is the state of mind. So you'd want to have, have the ability to establish and prove that the person attempting to interfere with a lawful investigation did so with in bad faith or with malice. And then the second thing you'd want to be able to establish is some bad conduct, some actual effort or facts that demonstrate that there was conduct involved that indeed was attempting to interfere with a lawful investigation.
0: So in this case, something that might fall under that category is the possible admission via a tweet that we saw over the weekend that the president knew Michael Flynn had committed a crime when he fired him. Would that fall under the umbrella of obstruction?
2: It could fall under the umbrella of instruction of justice. It it might also relate to just whether or not he was exercising a lawful power in an illegitimate way. He has the authority to dismiss a variety and, and quite an extensive range of executive officers, including the head of the FBI. But he's got to do for, do so on a legitimate basis.
0: So essentially, if President Trump did in fact ask Comey, as Comey has testified to quote, see your way clear to letting this go, to letting Flynn go, would that be obstruction?
2: I, it's, it's hard for me to uh, say that because I'm not really a fact finder, but keep in mind when the president said that, it appears that he said that with the knowledge that Flynn had broken the law. So then the question becomes, why is the president urging the FBI director to drop the investigation knowing that at least one of the subjects of the investigation had actually done something criminal, as far as the president, uh, as far as the president's information was concerned.
0: But weighing in on, on an investigation that's ongoing, that is inherently not in and of itself obstruction of justice from a
3: president.
2: It, it wouldn't necessarily be inherently obstruction of justice. The, the president does have some authority as the commander in chief, overseeing the administration of the laws and taking a note to faithfully execute the laws. As a result, the president has some authority to be able to weigh in on or direct how the laws might be enforced. It gets more complicated as far as this president is concerned because we're talking about a particular case. It's one thing to direct prosecutions, generally reorient the priorities when it comes to trying to uh, to enforce the law. But here we have a specific investigation in which the president was trying to exercise some influence, trying to get it dropped, it's fair to wonder what was his frame of mind and was he trying to obstruct the investigation.
0: And so then who will determine what his frame of mind was and whether or not he was trying to obstruct the investigation? Is that something that will come down to Mueller's investigative team?
2: Well, it will come down in part to Mueller's investigative team. They're looking for enough evidence to support uh, a prosecution that they might be considering, that these efforts, whatever they were, were done in bad faith and, and actually were in their judgment, uh, of trying to obstruct justice.
0: I wanted to touch upon the fact that John Dowd, who's the president's lawyer, his private lawyer, said specifically... Quote, the president cannot obstruct justice because he is the chief law enforcement officer under the Constitution's Article 2 and has every right to express his view of any case. So let's just dissect that for a second. This specifically refers to the president's right to weigh in on cases. Is there an argument to be made, and we've touched on this, that a president has the power to do that, to offer advice to his Justice Department about how something should be handled?
2: He, he, he does have that power, but it doesn't necessarily follow because he has a power, any way in which he exercises it is lawful. Those turn out to be slightly different things. He has the authority to be able to express priorities, even perhaps preferences. But in situations where he or people he work with are under investigation, he also has an obligation to ensure that the law is being faithfully executed. That obligation doesn't disappear when the president or people close to him are under investigation. In fact, if anything, his obligations might intensify, and this is because I think everybody would agree the president is not above the law, and in order to for that principle, the president is not above the law, to have meaning, every federal criminal law, every law really, has to be a law that he would comply with every day as president of the United States.
0: Now, is there precedent for when a government official has this legal authority to make a decision, but it doesn't immunize him or her from facing prosecution for, let's say, exercising that authority in a way that's wrong or criminal or suggests malintent?
2: Well, there's lawful authority, although, again, it'll get somewhat complicated. Mm -hmm. So much will depend on the context. But if we're talking about in a legal proceeding, there are ways in which a president might be found to be immune from criminal prosecution. There's a lot of talk about this right now, a lot of talk about whether or not, as a constitutional matter, the president is immune from having a criminal prosecution brought against him while he's a sitting president of the United States. The basic argument there is that a criminal prosecution would effectively paralyze him, and by paralyzing him, uh, paralyze the entire executive branch, and that's just too much of a cost to pay in order to allow criminal prosecution to go forward. Even if we concede that argument, the president still might be liable to account for his behavior in other forums, But the critical thing to keep in mind is the question whether or not a president is immune for breaking the law. If we phrase it that way, just in the abstract, I think we'd find very little agreement that the president should be let off the hook or that he's not liable in some form in some way.
0: Now, can you talk a little bit about how we've seen this play out in history before? We have Nixon who said when the president does it, that means that it is not illegal. And we've had Bill Clinton who also faced obstruction of justice among the articles of impeachment infringement. So how does this fit into a historical context?
2: Well, that's a critical question, too. So in the, in, with regard to Nixon to begin with, yes, Nixon made the argument, yes, yeah, the president does it. I suppose it's OK. And he can't be, in a sense, hauled into a courtroom and prosecuted criminally. But Nixon also had an article of impeachment approved against him by the House Judiciary Committee, which charged that he had obstructed justice. So in that forum, the forum of impeachment, it was possible to try and hold the president accountable for that criminal misconduct. The House Judiciary Committee and the House as a whole approved an impeachment article against Bill Clinton for obstructing justice. Later, the Senate acquitted him. But even later, a federal district judge found that Clinton had, in fact, committed perjury under oath, even as president of the United States, and held him accountable for that. So there's historical precedents that suggest that there are forums, again, venues, where a president may be held accountable even for obstructing justice. And the critical question that we have to figure out is not whether the president may be held accountable for obstruction justice, but just what's the right form, what's the right order in which to proceed if we think the president has obstructed justice.
0: Now, are there dangers in any of this in lawyers suggesting the idea that the president has absolute immunity when it comes to committing certain crimes or the fact that, you know, this recourse that we talk about might not happen until later on or might not happen at all? Are there dangers in any of this?
2: Sure. There are tremendous dangers in in that um, situation. If those assumptions turn out to be true or presidents act on the basis of those assumptions, then we have concerns about whether they may act without regard to any real consequences for their breaking the law. And this also may have a tremendous impact on our respect for the rule of law. Uh, Under the Constitution, we've always assumed that every official, including the president of the United States, is bound by the Constitution and bound by the law. If presidents are entitled not to be bound by the law, by virtue of their office, then they, in effect, become like kings. And that option was rejected at the Constitutional Convention. They made a president who could be subject to the law and subject to different kinds of proceedings to hold him accountable. And if if there's no practical way to hold him accountable while he's president, then he becomes all-powerful. And that's a pretty frightening prospect.
0: There's yet another legal action that factors into a president's power to effect an investigation, and that's presidential pardons. Who can the president pardon? And does he have the power to issue a pardon related to an ongoing investigation? To help us answer these questions, we talked to Lisa Kern Griffin. She's a law professor at Duke University. Can you tell me a little bit about presidential pardons, starting with this idea of, do you have to be convicted of a crime to be eligible for a pardon?
3: You do not have to be convicted of a crime to be eligible, nor do you even have to be charged with a crime. The pardon power is quite broad, and it comes from Article 2, Section 2 of the Constitution. And it gives the president the power to grant pardons for offenses against the United States. There are some exceptions. The president can't pardon in cases of impeachment, and the president cannot pardon in any civil cases or in any state cases. But since 1866, it's been clear from a Supreme Court case called Ex Parte Garland that the pardon power can be exercised at any time after an offense has been committed even if no legal proceedings have been undertaken.
0: So Trump has said himself that he has complete pardoning power. And to your point, who can a president pardon? Can he pardon himself? Can he pardon members of his family? Are there limitations besides those who haven't committed federal crimes on who he can actually pardon?
3: The open question is whether or not the president can pardon himself. And there really isn't any relevant case precedent on that. As with so many aspects of this presidency, we are in uncharted territory in addressing a question. The prevailing view, though, that whenever it's come up seems to be that, no, the president cannot pardon himself. It would be a test case if he were to attempt to do so. There are a couple of reasons why it seems to be the majority view that the president cannot do that. One is that um, the Department of Justice in other administrations has been called upon to provide some legal guidance on this and has usually concluded that a president cannot be indicted um, while in office. That's an open question, but certainly can be indicted once he leaves office. And that latter conclusion has been taken to suggest that the president is leaving office without having pardoned himself.
0: Right. So a president couldn't pardon himself before he leaves office and then be faced with charges.
3: That seems to be the prevailing view, although, again, it is uncharted territory. There's a little bit of interesting historical reference for this as well, um, interestingly, from Alexander Hamilton, who wrote the majority of the Federalist Papers, and who in the Federalist Papers made it clear that a criminal president should be removed by impeachment and then prosecuted, and these are his words, in the ordinary course of law. Can
0: presidential pardoning be obstruction of justice?
3: I think it can be. Like many other things that the president has the power to do, just because the president has the power to do it doesn't mean that that power can't be paired with some criminal intent. If the president were to pardon someone specifically to keep them from testifying or to protect them from a situation in which they're testifying in order to cooperate and get sentencing mitigation, I think that is also a legal problem for the president and exercising the pardon power with that level of corrupt intent would be obstruction.
0: So along those lines, if Trump now decided to pardon Flynn or Paul Manafort, for that matter, what would that mean for Robert Mueller's investigation?
3: I'm not sure that in the case of those two, it would mean anything. I think with respect to Manafort, it's an open question and that that prosecution grows more unpredictable by the day at this point. Michael Flynn is already cooperating with the special counsel. His plea agreement makes clear that he has pledged his full and complete cooperation and that in exchange for that he will get some sentencing mitigation from the government. That doesn't mean it's not possible anymore. Of course, the president can pardon him. But at this point, it looks unlikely that this will play out in the context of the Flynn case and more likely that it will play out in the context of perhaps Jared Kushner or Donald Trump Jr., other current aides of the president, other campaign aides, and others who may yet be indicted by the special counsel.
0: So would there be legal consequences for pardoning people like Kushner or Donald Trump Jr. if it came to that? Would Trump face legal consequences?
3: There are are two categories of legal consequences that the president should be mindful of. One of them is that if he pardons anyone with the intent to preclude them from testifying or to persuade them not to testify, then it isn't really any different from threatening a witness to try to prevent them from testifying. He's done something with corrupt intent, and it might constitute obstruction. He also has some strategic considerations that center around the timing of any potential pardon, because at this moment, just to take two potential examples, Jared Kushner and Donald Trump Jr., if called to testify, have every right to plead the Fifth Amendment because they face potential criminal jeopardy for what they might say. If they've received a presidential pardon, they no longer face that jeopardy, and therefore they can no longer avail themselves of the Fifth Amendment. So So they have to testify. It means the government can move to compel them to testify. They could refuse... And be held in contempt and of course the president could pardon them for that as well as he did with Sheriff Joe Arpaio who was pardoned for his criminal contempt of the courts but it complicates the series of events if the pardon is issued perhaps too early in the course of the investigation at a time when it limits the options that witnesses have for laying claim to the Fifth Amendment right for example
0: so then If you hypothetically were providing legal advice to the president, would you advise him to issue pardons to some of the people involved in the Mueller investigation? Now, of course, you don't have all the information to really be able to answer this question. But but would you say presidential pardons at this stage are a smart move or something that would complicate the process and make it problematic?
3: That's a really interesting question. I I think, again, as you point out, it really depends on what the underlying facts are and what kind of exposure he has and what information he would be masking by entering into that exercise. I think it would be politically very damaging. And as I said, the timing is everything because if he issues preemptive pardons, he also removes the option for witnesses to claim the Fifth Amendment privilege, and that could be very damaging ultimately in terms of how much information um, is obtained by the special counsel in in the fullness of time. But I've heard commentators suggest, commentators who are favorable to the president, suggest that he can lift this cloud he so much wants to lift by um, pardoning everyone involved. I think it would be a very radical strategy. I think it would test some constitutional limits, but at this point, almost nothing would surprise
0: me. So, Sari, let's say hypothetically, and of course we're not there yet, that if a conclusion is drawn that the president did in fact obstruct justice, how would public opinion play a role in what happens next?
1: That is an open question with different legal opinions about whether a sitting president can be indicted for obstruction of justice and prosecuted in court.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: There are different opinions from the Justice Department. There's an opinion from Ken Starr, a former um, counsel in, that investigated um, Clinton. Well, let's say if it did go to court, public opinion would play a very, um, probably a, a less significant role if this is a court case. But if this instead goes to the House of Representatives, for impeachment proceedings, public opinion would play a big role because public opinion would naturally be a part of the political process.
0: So, Sari, that brings us to our final question, the can he do that question of the week. And in this case, we've touched upon it throughout this episode. But based on your reporting, I present the question to you. Can the president obstruct justice?
1: I think there are different legal opinions on that. Mm -hmm. Many attorneys that we talked to in Washington um, told us that they believed the president can absolutely obstruct justice. And there's a a Brookings Institution study called Presidential Obstruction of Justice, the Case of Donald J. Trump. And the co-author, Norm Eisen, said there's a long, and he ox- he was in the Obama administration as an ethics and government reform special assistant. He says there's a long line of cases holding that when a government official exercises an otherwise legal authority with corrupt intent, that's a key thing, they can be prosecuted for obstruction. And he said that flows from the notion that no person is above the law. But then there are other people, like Harvard law professor um, Alan Dershowitz, Let's see, i try to find you his quote here, He said, you can't charge a president with obstruction of justice for exercising his constitutional power to fire Comey and his constitutional authority to tell the Justice Department who to investigate, who not to investigate. And um, he went on Fox News the other day and said, that's what Thomas Jefferson did. That's what Lincoln did. That's what Roosevelt did. We have precedents that clearly establish this.
0: Right. But is there something that's at risk if we give our president absolute power to kind of be above the law?
1: Well, those who argue that he can be found in obstruction of justice argue that that is the case. And, you know, you should probably leave this to the legal experts.
0: Sari, thank you so much for coming on the show. You guys can follow Sari Horowitz on Twitter at Sari Horowitz, or you can follow me, Allison Michaels, at allisonmikes. This has been another episode of Can He Do That? Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher. If you're listening, we're there. Can He Do That? is a team effort here at The Post. It's produced by the clever and persistent Carol Alderman, with design direction from Kat Rudell brooks and logo art from Loren Boglio.
1: Hello, I'm Dan LaMoth, a national security writer here at The Washington Post. I'm the host of our newest podcast, Letters from War. It's the story of a family of brothers fighting in World War II. It is told mostly through the hundreds of letters that they wrote to each other. The letters detail everything from the Great Depression to their favorite baseball team, the Chicago Cubs, to the horrors of combat that they themselves saw. In this podcast, modern-day veterans will read the parts of the brothers, and at times, They will relate their own experiences to what they're reading. Check it out on
0: WashingtonPost.com slash LettersFromWar. The Washington. Washington. Washington Post. Post.